Hey everybody, welcome to Latter-day Struggles. This is Valerie. So before we get started on this next episode, I wanted to just give you a little bit of an introduction to this couple and something that I have been working on as a product of my work, not only with this couple, but with the realizations that I've had as I have been doing this series on the eternal marriage doctrine here in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You're going to be tickled with and thoroughly enjoy this conversation that I had with Brian and Jenny, who are once again, a couple of people who I have met in my small groups who are just near and dear to my heart. You're going to be hearing their tumultuous story and beautiful story about how as a couple, they have been navigating the rough waters of faith expansion, especially in the case when one partner goes before the other partner. And that is actually what I am learning. Very, very typical. So as I have been dropping these last episodes for the last several weeks about faith expansion, especially as it regards uh, the plan of happiness or the eternal marriage doctrine, what has become abundantly clear to me is that my goodness, hundreds, or am I, I don't know. I don't think I'm being dramatic and saying maybe even thousands of couples are suffering here in our church because of this phenomenon that's going on where we have this foundation of eternal marriage, of temple marriage, of eternal family, of all of the things that we are expected to continue to think about and believe and live by that actually is the sometimes one and only foundation of a marriage. And then when one partner moves into a different space, and I dare say is actually growing and evolving and doing some beautiful spiritual work and coming closer and closer to their divine heritage, sometimes the other partner, and actually legitimately, the other partner doesn't have a clue what's going on and is terrified. And so the more traditional partner and the faith expanding partner find themselves in sometimes a crisis, like a legitimate marriage crisis. And so because I've started getting more feedback than ever as a product of this series that I've been running on the plan of salvation doctrine of marriage, I, I just realized the depth and breadth of this problem and how much it's really hurting couples that they don't have the skill set to know how to manage uh, uneven faith development inside of their marriage. We are not given the tools to know how to effectively grow a marriage and grow intimacy within a marriage if and when one of the partners is going through a faith expansion. And I'm noticing that there are sometimes some really devastating results. And I have decided to kind of put on hold some of my other projects. And I have jumped deeply into the creation of two courses that I am calling the Couples Guide, the LDS Couples Guide to Faith crisis and faith expansion. And this series of courses is intended to help couples in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who are struggling because one partner is more traditional and the other partner is going through a faith expansion experience. And my plan is that the next episode that I'm going to be dropping before we change topics altogether is I'm going to be actually dropping a little bit of an overview of what you can expect from these courses that I am deep in production of and should be ready for sell on my new website at Latter-day Struggles. I mentioned before earlier on that it was going to be done by the end of the summer, but 
just because of the letters I've been receiving and all the feedback that I've getting that I've been getting that this need is so great. And it's a passion of mine already. I am a marriage therapist. I'm profoundly committed to growth, development, the healing of trauma, and helping partners find healing not only in the work that I do around faith and the growth of one's soul inside of the context of this religious setting, but also I'm really, really committed to and interested in helping legitimately struggling couples in this faith expansion space. My hope is that couples will see both the more traditional partner and the less traditional partner or the one in faith expansion, that they'll see that I'm really committed to seeing each of their hearts and seeing the legitimate struggles of what each of them are going through. And so I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope you will find answers and a resource in the courses that I am going to be selling here pretty soon. And so stay tuned for that on latterdaystruggles.com. And I hope that as usual, you will find hope and healing through my work. That is my absolute passion that I be here with you on this walk in our faith expansion journeys that definitely involve our intimate relationships. Okay. So enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, welcome to Latter-day Struggles. This is Valerie and I am really grateful to be here today. And today I am so excited because we are going to be doing a little bit of a different format. As you know, sometimes I bring on people who are near and dear to my heart and I interview them about their own life's experiences that are related to our joint journeys as members in and around the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I want to introduce Brian and Jenny, but I'm going to actually let you introduce yourselves to our audience and talk about how we've come together and what you're here to talk about. So take it away, one of you. Um, we found Valerie um, through some friends and she said, you need to listen to this. You know, we had both opened up about maybe some of our um, concerns and struggles and we had known each other for a while. And uh, she said, there's this group and I think you should join. And, um, and I had already been, you know, a fair, quite far along in my faith journey. And, but I just still needed that support. And so anyway, uh, it just like was such a blessing to come into this group therapy. And in fact, one of the first, uh, groups we had was a, right after general conference and I thought this, she's saving me. Like <laughs> we were able to, you know, discuss things and, um, it just has been a massive help for us. And so that's kind of how we came to know you and, and it's just really like, so solidified our growth as, um, a couple, I think in this journey, a lot of, uh, clarity and growth and support. Yeah. It's been nice to do that together. You know, both Jenny and I, we've been married 20, just hit 21 years, Mm -hmm. 21 years and um, kind of backstory. um, I grew up, you know, very Orthodox family, strong, believing, uh, I mean, real good experiences that really helped shape me foundationally as a child and helped me feel like, you know, God was there. God was a part of my life, that there was a savior, that there was 
repentance, there was opportunities, there was growth, there was eternal families, there was, you know, all of these things and things worth working for and things worth sacrificing for and uh, heavily involved in that throughout my childhood. I served a mission in uh, Australia and it was uh, Chinese speaking, so loved all the experiences there um, with that. And then uh, while I was while I was on my mission, I had an experience in the temple where I saw a face and it ended up being Jenny's. Oh, face. wow. Isn't that cool? I didn't yeah. know that. That's really beautiful. Neat, yeah. neat story. I didn't recognize it until later when I met. And, and it wasn't even like the very first time I saw her because her hair was different and other things. But later down the road, I was like, holy smokes, that was you, there you know? So, so that was neat. So I mean, you know, going on, getting married in the temple, raising our family that way was like 100% like my goal, my MO. That was, that's, that's what was going to happen. And that's, that was going to bring us joy and happiness. And that was going to be everything for us. Mm -hmm. And that's funny because my, my growing up was probably different, much more maybe confusing. I'd had some hard things happen as a child that were confusing to me. And when I would go to church, I would hear messages that made me go, oh, something's wrong with me. And so the messages I got was, or that I internalized um, through what I was taught was, well, you're probably not good enough. You're not, you don't fit in this. And so it's interesting because I, I did have a family that we went to church every Sunday. We, um, you know, they, they did scripture study. They they tried really hard, but it just was still kind of just confusing to me. I don't know that I ever felt like God knew me or loved me, or I always more felt like, Oh, I think I'm probably not supposed to be here. Like there's probably something wrong with me feelings. And, uh, and so it was really interesting when I moved out, I, I moved to Utah at 19 and you know, you, once you move out of your home, you, live and decide like, what is this going to look like for me? What do I believe? And so I started kind of like going down that road where it was more like, what does Jenny believe? What do I think? You know? And it got to the point where, you know, I had a choice of like, is this, do I want to be in the church or do I want to go this different route? And I just felt strongly that I wanted to stay in the church. So I kind of was like really working towards like what that looked like for me. But right as that happened, I met Brian and it was kind of a confusing experience because I was like, almost like I was on this like edge of like understanding who I was. And I'd had like a few really neat experiences of like feeling very alone in Utah and praying. And I had like a really neat experience of like knowing heavenly father knew me, like knowing I was like, he was aware of me, you know? And so I, I was kind of building on that. And then Brian and I met and in that situation, our relationship came. I think some background on that. I had just returned home from my mission. Mm. Like I, I met her and invited her to my homecoming. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Hey, I'm speaking in church tomorrow. You want to come and see, come in here. I, love that. So I was, I was definitely in this, like, Hey, this is awesome. This is great. I'm going to move, you know, moving forward and, and, yeah. And I came home from my mission weird. I mean, I really did. I was <laughs> well, struggling. Every missionary does. Everyone does. Struggling yes. with anxiety and depression, all sorts of things, right? Mm-hmm. My family thought, wow, he seems a little different, oh, right? Yeah. He seems a little odd. I got home 
had my homecoming and the next day moved off to college, wow. you know, moved out. Like, so it's not like they really got to know me very much. Yeah. And then I brought Jenny home. Yeah. And I was like, this, this is awesome. You guys yeah. got to meet her. She's wonderful. So wow. then our relationship was met with some resistance. And that was kind of confusing to me because yeah. I thought, here I am doing the best I've felt spiritually ever in my life. Yeah. I was just really kind of like proud of myself and I was doing it on my own. I just was really um, like having really neat spiritual experiences. And then to be met with resistance of like, they were have. I think there was a hard time accepting me into the family. And so um, that then all it, it did was internalize, oh, okay, these are very righteous people. Mm. They are living the church, you know, living the gospel, mm. very orthodox. So it's me. I'm the problem. Let me jump in just a quick second, Jenny, because I want to just spend some time reviewing a little bit about what you are talking to us about, because I think what... What they're, one of the things that I think is special about this couple, and they've begun to kind of describe it, is Jenny and Brian have navigated some pretty rocky terrain together as a couple. And I love how you two opened us up and started with these two very rather different background stories. Both of you born in the church, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like in some ways Brian comes from this sort of hearty orthodox, all the, you know, all the boxes checked and I don't know, multiple generations of pioneers. I'm making that up. It just feels right. (laughs) You're describing it very well. (laughs) Yes. And and then you have Jenny who also was born in the church, but born in a little bit more of a vulnerable sort of setting as a child with challenging circumstances and things that happened that for evoked in you a sense of your own low worthiness. Yes. In um, God's eyes, in, and that extended, of course, to the church's eyes, because oftentimes we're taught that those two things are the same. Exactly. And then you fast forward and you meet one another. And in some ways, it felt like uh, you were doing for yourself and sort of discovering who you are, you were, Jenny, and getting some really um, some validation from God for maybe the first time that you were okay, that you were good enough, mm-hmm. uh, which I love on your behalf. And then also it sounds like concurrently with that, you meet this wonderful man who comes from this Orthodox family, trying their hardest, doing their best. And here they go in their own way, not intentionally, certainly, but bringing up the same old thing again. Yes. There's something not quite enough about Jenny. Yes. And so, okay, so this is where we are. You, you come together and what I want us to do is let's walk you, let's walk through how these early marriage years happened together. And then we're going to start, I'm going to give everybody a little bit of a forecast of things to come as what we're going to talk about throughout this hour is we're going to talk about these early marriage years. And then we're going to talk about, uh, I happen, I'm going to do a little bit of a spoiler, but in terms of faith, expansion journey. This won't surprise you all probably, but Jenny went first (laughs) because Brian came from, of course, that, that really sturdy Orthodox family. And so Jenny introduced some complexity into that marriage. We're going to go deeper into that. And we're going to talk about how these two have been able to navigate this incredibly sacred, but also incredibly painful and challenging experience that so many couples in 
the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints go through. And the reason why I wanted to have you two on is because two things. Number one is that you are um, far enough into this journey that I think you're at the point to where you're creating a narrative and it's something that the two of you can talk about. But also you are not going to overly simplify and make this something that feels like, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. I don't know what's wrong with you (laughs) because it was a very big deal. This is real. (laughs) And it was, and sometimes probably still feels very, very real. And so, okay. So now I've kind of narrated a little bit of a path for us to go on. Um, Let's go ahead and I want to turn the time back over to you and talk about those, just a little bit more about how you kind of came together and started forming a family. I mean, you can stay with a little bit, like, how did you navigate this whole sense of Brian's family um, and what you internal, like can further internalize from other feelings that you had, Jenny, why don't you just pick up right there? Well, I think an important part is we did have a moment where um, we called things off um, mm. in our, in our engagement. And that was the worst few days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it was really great because I will say that, you know, Brian called and he said, can we meet? And I just was at that point, like, you know, angry and hurt. And, and we, he came and he said, I promise, like we, obviously we give me another shot. And then he said, I promise from this day forward, it will just be me and you. It doesn't matter any outside source. And it wasn't just family. It was any outside source will never come between us. Like it will be me and you. And he has kept that promise. And I will say prior to that, it was pretty like he listened to a lot of different people, a lot of different, I think, feelings and was um, influenced a lot by other people's thoughts. Mm-hmm. And after that, it really has been just the two of us. And and it was like a stark difference from that moment on. And I don't know that um, I could have continued had it not changed that drastically, but it did. Jenny, let me ask you this is you're bringing that up feels important to your, your larger journey Yes. in that. And I know we'll, we'll circle back to history, but then I'm probably going to pop in and just ask some, some different questions to go deeper, but Brian's commitment that he wasn't going to be um, allowing a lot of um, outside interference to come between your couple's intimacy experience, uh, how did that impact your further abilities to be able to share with him your story and your ongoing faith expansion stuff down the road? Oh, it was massive because I saw it time and time again. You know, we've had so many different experiences in our life in the church, you know, church experiences and then just normal life experiences that, I mean, um, each experience was like, oh, so you're going into this medical field. Yeah. You know, have people get divorced. So, you know, and it kept being like each experience we'd have, I think we got that talk probably four different times along our marriage. And, and so it really became important that we stayed connected, vulnerable, honest with each other. And so in all these settings, it just kept building that trust because I I don't think I was really honest with Brian. Like he knew I was hurt. He knew I was confused he would see me crying a lot I don't know that I opened up it took a lot of trust building to finally just be like this is has really affected me so you're describing I think that from that early moment 
well, early on in the relationship and in your courtship, he had, and again, I think this is completely like developmentally normal to sort of be taking the pulse and checking, you know, polling all of everybody on the outside because you were young and, you know, here in the LDS church, we tend to like to get married very young and yes. And so you struggled with that. And then because of this challenging situation, you doubled down and you really recognize this is hurting our relationship. And I'm going to choose you, Jenny, I'm going to choose you. And then it sounds too like what you're describing, Jenny, is that you, as the years went by, were creating a foundation where you were giving him the opportunity to actually provide you with ongoing evidence that this truly was happening, but also that it's, it's a work in process too, because when you started a second ago, talking about your faith journey experience, it's not like you could just spill it all at the same time or all at once because it's it sounds like in some ways uh, again very typical very tender stuff very vulnerable and probably mm-hmm. very vulnerable in the face of a very orthodox true believing mormon husband like oh dear right you know, well yeah. and part of that story is that i jumped into orthodoxy so i okay. saw jenny's broken jenny's been doing it wrong i mean obviously this is all my own narrative right but I allowed like experiences to validate my narrative. Okay. So Jenny's broken. So now you've been doing it wrong. So now just do, jump into orthodoxy, do jump, it all right. do it all the right way, quotation marks. And that meant I, I am a, an emotional person. I am feisty. I'm, I speak my mind. I have deep thoughts. And I thought, shove those down, you know, like, wow, be meek be mild, Mm. be submissive. Not that Brian ever asked that or anything, but it was like, I saw this is what was being modeled. This was the righteous path. So this is what I do. And so I kind of like just started shoving down who I really was. I look at our wedding video and I'm like, Ooh, that doesn't even sound like me. You know, like I just was really shocked looking back. I tried really hard to fit the narrative that I thought was what I was supposed to do. This was the plan of happiness. So I'd been doing it wrong clearly. And so now this is how I do it. And I tried really hard to fit the box that I even thought he wanted. He didn't want that, you know, like he never asked for that. It was all, this was all in my way to come up with a solution, you know, so that I was worthy of this family of this, of being a better righteous Mormon. Yeah. How, how long did the two of you live in that orthodox paradigm together as a family? How many years ish? Life, life got real busy. Like we went straight into two weeks after we got married, we moved to China and we lived there for six months. And then we moved back and it was straight into school and then to the next level of school and kids coming and and then the next level of school and then our daughter had leukemia and then so there really wasn't time to process any of that for 15 years no yeah and but in those i would have experiences where i kept feeling these things bubble up like wanting to like get out and be like this doesn't feel right this feels like it it was just but i would just shove it back down and no you know like 
you know, we'd have really neat experiences through some of these challenging times in our marriage. And I was like, no, that's because we're being righteous. But I had a lot of anxieties come up. Um, I have anxiety and it would get real bad. I'd have these stomach aches that were just painful. And, you know, I'd get the tight chest and, and I started connecting a lot of things that weren't healthy. You know, my, my relationship with my garments were very unhealthy. It was that like, if I stepped outside without garments on for sure, lightning was going to strike or I was going to get hit by a car, you know? So there was some really unhealthy patterns starting to form Mm. as we went on because there were hard things that, you know, I, I kind of was a single mom when Brian was in school school and residency. And, and then I was, you know, and then we had this cancer diagnosis. And so it was so much about faith and holding on and, and we had really neat blessings, but I just started to probably connect, uh, what is it? Faith without works is dead or whatever. I was like, works, works, works. I really need to make sure I'm not screwing things up. So we're not blessed. So it started to become unhealthy. And we transferred yes. that to the kids too, like how oh, we were yeah. raising our kids and oh boy, if we didn't do family, maybe just right. Or if we didn't, if we didn't do something just right, they're going to be screwed up. And we would be worried about what happens. What happens if one of our kids comes, comes to us and is a teen pregnancy? What if oh, one we of our used kids, to be so afraid. What, what if one of our kids comes in and tells us that they're gay? Ah. Or what if one of our kids comes and tells us they're going to leave the gospel? It's, it's what we're doing now that's going to make any difference of that in the future. And like, it just panicked. It wasn't Honestly, healthy. It wasn't healthy. Okay. So you jump all in, Jenny. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. we can do this. I can earn my way to some sort of viability in the eyes of God. And also I get the sense that probably you thought, and this is what Brian wants anyways. So. Well, and Brian's yeah. family. family. And, mm-hmm. So, you know, like, oh, they'll finally see I'm yeah. worthy here. Yeah. So you tried this thing on and I'm getting the sense that a couple of things was evolving in this next 15 years. Of course, family life picks up lots of education, children. Um, and then of course you throw in uh, the incredibly, you know, huge, issue of uh, a cancer diagnosis with one of your children. And so, of course, during all of these times, you were wanting some sort of stability, some sort of a something to hold on to, to keep everybody grounded. And it sounds like the both of you decided, okay, it must be the things that we do with the church. It's got to be all of like family home evening is associated with this blessing and prayer is associated with that blessing and if I do enough of this, I get enough of that. And, and of course, we do absolutely transfer all of this anxiety-based gospel living right on down to our children because they are a reflection of our righteousness. And so their righteousness becomes our identity too. Okay, so 15 years of that. And I want to just now, if I may, let's transition over to Jenny, when did you start, when did this bubbling up experience start becoming something that you could no longer shove down anymore? Because I get the feeling that maybe 15 years ish was when things Mm -hmm. started to to shift. So let's talk about that. So we, we had moved to a new state and, and my daughter was healthy. And I think I started processing. I mean, there was definite trauma from that experience and Mm -hmm. from, you know, lots of other experiences and so that we came to a kind of a stable place and it finally allowed Brian and I to start feeling. And I, I noticed in both of us, we started having emotions come up and, and we kept being like, I think the trauma, like it's, we're starting to find, like we could, we could handle everything while we were, were going through it. 
you know, within, with Ainsley's cancer, it was, mm-hmm. everyone would say, how are you doing this? How are you? And we just did it. You don't, we, you, don't you just option. do it. You just do it. And yeah. so then when things were quiet, it's when things started to bubble up. And so I luckily had close friends and family that I was able to kind of bounce ideas off of. And, and it just slowly, it was a very slow process, but I also had noticed like when we were in this new area, it was a heavily LDS area. And I was kind of watching how my kids, you know, they were starting to become teenagers and I started seeing some unhealthy things coming out my children. They had, they were having feelings that I had been having of unworthiness, of being unwanted, of being different, of not feeling like it quite fit. And I started to see the harm and hurt. And I thought, okay, you can come after me. You can hurt me. But when I started seeing that pattern continue in my children and started seeing the unhealthy in my children, and they were not afraid to say, like, this is not right. This is not, this doesn't make sense. So that was one aspect of me starting to be like, okay, this isn't making sense. Mm. Another huge portion of that was the LGBTQ issue. It has just been a calling in my heart. I have dear family that I just treasure and they are so good. And they like the good of the good people and they're gay. And I remember having a conversation with them once and they said, how you know that this is hurting our family. This was um, right after uh, they did the children of a gay couple can't get baptized. And, and I sat across from them and I could not figure out, like, I know in my soul, this feels wrong. And yet I'm trying to defend a church, but also tell them how much I love them and how, and it just became too confusing to me. And so in that time, I really started, um, I had found um, Listen, Learn, Love. And a lot of those stories um, I just connected to, you know, even though as a straight woman, I, I couldn't relate because of, of orientation, but, but their stories of feeling like inherently unworthy and um, like, what's wrong with me? And I'm trying so hard. Could you just take this away? I just, it resonated with me. And so I think that is when things started to crash for me at church. I would go and I was the shell of a person. I couldn't, I couldn't look anyone in the eye and, and I'd always been kind of needed in our other wards. And this ward just has like a lot of really capable people. And, and I, but I, it, I felt like I wasn't being utilized. I thought, Oh, I have all this, you know, love. And, mm-hmm. and, and I thought, why am I not, why are they not utilizing me? And then I, it went back to my old narrative. Well, Jenny, you're not good enough. They see that you're inherently bad. And so it's just kind of this spiral. And each Sunday I would go to church and oftentimes couldn't stay. I would cry. You know, I'd start, sorry, I'll probably get emotional. I couldn't even make it the whole lesson. And I'd hear messages that I thought, oh my gosh, that's so damaging. You don't understand what you're saying. And, and it just felt like an attack and, you know, and even down to like, I'd sit down and if nobody sat next to me, it again, validated like unworthiness and not wanted and don't fit in. And it just got to kind of an unhealthy place where I couldn't even go near the building without having an emotional breakdown. How long ago was that? 
That was in 20, I think it got 2019 and mm-hmm. 2020 were my worst. I, it was a couple of years that I went through that where I had a really hard time staying at church and I would go to church, crash spiritually, emotionally, physically, yeah. and work so hard to build it back up so that I could go again next Sunday. Cause I knew that's mm-hmm. what I needed to do. And I needed to be a good mom. And, but one of the good things is we are a communicating family and my kids would see me crying every Sunday and they'd wonder what's wrong. And, and we would talk about it. I'm, I'm having a really hard time. This is really affecting me. And I would ex, um, share the experiences that I was learning about from these other members of the church that were having a hard time. And like, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, I was just drowning. And, but I, I did express that with my family. Thank you so much for, you're doing such a beautiful job of sort of creating a timeline of how this developed, how you spent all those years sort of um, surviving. And I think, I think from you guys seem about my age and there is a lot of years that feel a little bit like a blur because they're so busy. You're developing career, you're creating a family and it's almost like, and, and the structure of the orthodoxy in some ways is a bit of a crutch or a help to move things along with flailing insecure people, at least how I felt as a, as a young mom, <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm doing. So maybe the church can tell me what to do and how exactly. to do it. And so things slow down by the grace of God. It sounds like your daughter recovered and yes. then things in, in a beautiful, good, but also probably somewhat um, disorienting way. All of a sudden it was like, there was time for your own body, your own spirit, your own soul to start you know, knocking at the door and saying, Hey, Jenny, um, it's time now for us to stop pretending and for us to start discovering who you as a woman really are. And this is going to be scary. This is going to be disorienting because there is a foundation that has been created. And I'm sure in some ways it was helpful, but I think also, I love how you described that your, that the tipping point for you was that for reasons that sound like they are a combination from your childhood, from personal experience, multiplied by internalization of church things that you kind of carried with you some shame. And then when you started seeing some of those very same things bubble up in your own children and started perhaps worrying if there was any possible correlation in what they were internalizing themselves about their own worthiness at all of the sudden it's beautiful. You became more motivated to like, okay, we got to look at this. Yes. I have to see this. I want to, I'm wondering if you could, I, I think it's lovely that you were talking and experiencing this right there in front of your family. And I love that you didn't kind of hide it away and pretend like you, it was the, perhaps your temperament is one that couldn't do that even if you wanted to, but it sounds mm-hmm. like you just had this experience was ongoing. Now I want to just shift my gears over to, I want to just focus a little bit with Brian because I'm thinking about straight arrow Orthodox Brian over there, maybe perhaps having uh, your own internal experience, both adoring your wife, but also really committed to who you were as an Orthodox Mormon man. Can you share with us what was your early experience as you're starting to notice Jenny shifting and changing and, di- and, and, and diverting her way in different ways than what the way she had been for those early married years. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things always through, like I fell in love with the Jenny that was the Jenny, you know, mm. 
and and I still love Jenny in all of her rendition of everything. But I mean, I've I've always loved her just as, as the girl I met when she was you know clear back then. Can and, I interrupt there for just a second, yeah. Jenny? What does that bring up in you as you see him look over at you and he says, "All of the versions of you are just right." How does that feel? He's always been so good to tell me that. He's always been, I, I have a tattoo that I love. And that was, of course, one of my many things, but I got it at 19 and it has been, I drew it on my ankle from a young girl, you know, and I can remember when we had first met, I had my foot up on the dashboard um, of the car and I like, was like trying to brighten up my tattoo a little bit. So I licked my finger and wiped it. So it was like brightened and he goes, you realize that's not going to come off with spit, right? <laughs> and, and, and from this very orthodox person, you know, and he's like, I love your tattoo. And I was like, that's so like, I know how you were raised. I know that tattoos were like a huge no in your upbringing. And so he showed me from the very beginning that he really was fine with all the parts of me. And I really did show him my true self at the beginning of our dating before I realized I need, you know, I needed to change, not really, but what I thought needed to change. And so he, he's always been very good to love all the parts. Well, that's, me. that's interesting. So when like soon out, as I'm watching her go all this time, bawling to try, I mean, saw so much pain all the pain she was in. And I'm sitting here thinking, how do I help her? How do I fix it? And she came to the moment where she came to me and said, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I have to step back and heal. And I didn't really know what that meant. Um, we talked about it and she can tell more about what that meant, but there was the moment where she said, I have to step back and heal. And she did. And I saw the pain leave. Wow. I saw it. I was, it was like, holy smokes. So now my, my orthodox brain that's saying, of course, we just are going to endure the end and always, you know, everybody goes through hard times, whatever we're going to endure to the end. Well, now her decision to step back and heal was visibly healthy, Wow. was visibly, she was a better version of herself immediately. I mean, I, in fact, and this, this kind of ties back to what you were saying, I gave her a compliment one day during that week. And I said, Hey, you know, your hair looks really pretty or something. It was the first time in almost 20 years at that point that she said, thank you. That she actually let it be a compliment instead of some sort of a deflection or some sort of, and I was like, Holy cow, you just accepted that. This is awesome. You know, there's, there's no, there was no amount of medication for anxiety, medication for depression. There was no amount of counseling. There was no amount of anything that could help my wife start to now see herself the way I've seen her all the time. And the way that I know God sees her, like, holy smokes, she is really, this is great. So, I mean, you can talk about what stepping back and healing meant, but as I'm, as my, uh, my, world started to crack or crumble or feel different. I could not argue with the fact that she was in a healthier place. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. I want to stay here for a minute because I'm really mindful of so many people 
who listen to this podcast and I know firsthand so many people in the support groups that I run are struggling deeply because they don't have a, a partner who gets them. And what they're going through is not only is it, it's, it's faith expanding, it's life expanding, it's all of those things. But before it's any of those things, it's just terrifying, disorienting, and it's amplified by a hundredfold when you have a partner that isn't getting it and perhaps having their own incredibly, maybe even a traumatic experience saying mm -hmm. to themselves, here goes my eternal marriage. Here goes my eternal family. This partner is leaving our yeah. planned life, our planned eternity. So I would love for you to, if you would, if you can channel yourself back to maybe some of your early moments when you're watching Jenny evolving and suffering, I'm wondering, is there any part of you that felt like channel your orthodox man hat, put, put that on for just a minute. What parts of you felt like, how can you describe, was there, was there ever anger? Was there betrayal? Was there fear? Even if you worked through that, I want to hear a little bit. I think these people well, in our audience need to hear those parts too. Okay. So leading up to, it was, and I, I knew she was crying at church. I, I knew it was hard to go to church. Yeah. Um, one day we walked into sacrament meeting though. And just as clear as day, I felt, felt heard, whatever a voice inside me that said, you'll be doing this alone for a while and that's okay. And I didn't, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it was going to mean, what it was going to mean, but I had that in the back of my mind, thankfully. And, and I don't know how to, I, I, I'm, I'm, I was thankful for that. And then, but when she told me, you know, this, I'm going to step back and heal and, um, that means I'm not going to go to church. That means I'm not going to do, you know, I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to be doing this different. Yeah. You, you feel hurt. I mean, it's a gut punch, you know? And so simultaneously I'm seeing her as happy as she's ever been. And I'm hurting. I drove myself to the ER one night. Well, I will I really say, thought I was having a heart attack. I will say this because I think it's important to put context with what he was feeling is I had had a prompting um, probably six months before I'd, I'd been in counseling and she had, she had been like, you need to, you know, she would give me different challenges, like make sure you're finding yourself outside of the church, make sure your heart wants to serve. So what can you do? And so she gave me some different like challenges of, um, or, or if I am at church, you know, it was important for me to, um, let LGBTQ know that they were safe. So I, would start wearing a pin. Um, so she gave me some different like challenges as I was going on. And, but I, in counseling, I kept telling her, I, I keep having this prompting. Well, so meditation and became really important to me and it became a huge healing tool for me. And as I practice, it became a real spiritual practice for me. And I just had these like almost temple like experiences. I had this one experience that I had um, a prompting to write down what I thought of myself and it was sad. It was really sad. And then I had a prompting to write down what my heavenly parents think of me. And it was nothing that I ever would have said to myself. And it, it was really beautiful. And I, I just had these really neat experiences, but one of the experiences I had, and I would write it down. I kept writing it down in these journals. You know, I'd have these like really 
neat guidance. And I kept writing down, step back and heal. And I'd go to Brian and I'd say, I don't know what this means, but I keep getting this prompting to step back and heal. And he'd say, well, you know, like luckily some COVID things were happening. So he's like, let's just do this or let, you know, we tried all these different variations. Um, but finally I was in, I'd had this prompting and I could see myself and I was twirling in a wheat field or maybe an alfalfa field. And I had a sundress on and it was, I didn't have garments on. It was just, you know, in, in my heart, I'm this like hippie earth loving <laughs> person. And, and I, and, but it was like almost my truest identity. And I was spinning in this field and I just felt warm and peaceful. And it was like heavenly father being like, this is, this is you be you, you know? And, um, so I, I had talked to my therapist and over and over we, I mean, it had been months of being like, I keep having this prompting and she said, well, just do it. And I said, she's not only yes. And I said, you don't understand. Like, you don't do that. Like you don't, you don't stop going to church. You don't take off your garments. You don't do that. And she said, why just try it, see if it will help you. And so that day I came home and I said, so he had had some warnings that I had had this prompting. So I came home that day and I told him and I, um, I can remember us sitting in the bathroom just on the floor and we were both crying. And I said, I'm going to take off my garments, which was one of my biggest fear, unhealthy relationships. It was very fear-based. It was very, um, it wasn't healthy. And to watch Brian, to watch the, my person, my, my, my equal, my love hurt, like broke me, but I was so guided to keep going. It just was this prompting, keep going, keep going. And then go to watching Brian in his true orthodoxy, thinking he was having heart attacks and taking himself to the ER several times in a week. Um, I mean, we really were both unhealthy. We both were unhealthy. Um, but I'll let you, so I think that was good context to, so that you can see where now he could, um, his reactions. Yeah. Cause it was, I, I, mean, I thought I was, you know, oh, Holy smokes, what's going wrong. And then it immediately internalized what have, what have I done wrong? Right. What have I, how did I create this? What did I do that, that made, made Jenny feel like she had to be in this position, but at the same time I could see, I could see her peace and I couldn't argue with that. I was, it, so then I, that was the dichotomy I had to fight through is how can I feel so terrible and she feels so good. So it had to be a heart attack, didn't it? <laughs> so, um, but so anyway, I was, I was fine. Checked out just fine, they said. Anyway, but I did have to, I did roll back onto that. There was another experience. So the one was that you'll be doing this alone for a while and that's okay. The other one was a few years before we'd been in the temple doing ceilings with some friends. And I was thinking about, I grew up with an, a big orchard of apple trees in my backyard. So the, the allegory of the olive trees and stuff is just fascinating to me. I'm like, yeah, I remember we had to trim all those and that was, that was, Anyway, um, I'm sitting there and again, prompting spiritual communication that says, you know, what does that say about dunging, putting dung around the bottom of those trees? And I was like, as I, 
was like, yeah. And so I'm thinking about it. And then it's where spirit said, uh, what's another word for dung? And I'm in this, I'm in the ceiling rooms and I'm like, poop. <laughs> no, the other one. Crap. <laughs> no, the other one. Shit. Yes. Shit. You have to have shit around there. You've got to dig up around the roots. You've got to stir that up and put the shit in. And the deeper the shit, the sweeter the fruit. Wow. But don't focus on the shit because then you just have a sh- mouthful of shit. Focus <laughs> on the fruit. And so those are the two things that in my brain are going on that like, okay, I do understand the idea that something hard can become something beautiful. I do understand the idea that there's time that can happen. And that was what I, that's what I would hold on to. And then Jenny was awesome and would communicate with me and she'd tell me where she was at. Which wasn't really awesome all the time. I will say that. Like we make it sound like, like, oh, and he was so understanding and oh, she was so communicative. No, like we've had a pretty good marriage. We've got along really well. You know, we'd have little arguments, which is normal. We would yell at each other in the car. I mean, he wanted to know where I was going, like what my end goal was going to be, all these things. And, and really when, when we kept working through and it boiled down to is, do we still choose each other? That Mm. was what really we were coming down to. But, but I can remember driving in the car this one day and we couldn't talk in the house because we didn't want our kids to hear us arguing. So we go on these drives and I can remember like being like, take me home now. Like, and we never were that way. And it was a really, really hard, um, couple of months really, um, that were kind of that way where he was like, where's this leading? What is going to happen? You know? And it was, it was not like letting things happen. It was, he wanted the prescription. Like, are you coming back? Are you ever going to put your garments back on? He wanted the answers right away. And it wasn't going well. That was not going well. And we were, we weren't doing well um, for a couple of months. I want to just spend a couple of seconds. I'm thinking a lot about the episode that my fellow therapist colleague and I did at the very, very beginning of this series on the eternal doctrine of marriage and how sometimes we become a marriage that is validation based, which is We are only as righteous as the partner who is not complying with the church's rules. And if Mm -hmm. you're having a different experience than me, then it is my responsibility to pressure this thing, this, the pressure, this marriage so hard to get back in line that I introduce a lot of tactics to get that partner back so that we can move back into this frame where we're validating each other rather than letting the other truly grow, which of course is the individuation based model of the marriage. And so what I'm thinking about is I'm thinking about the two of you sitting in the car strapped in on these torture drives, (laughs) right? Is you got Brian over here and this is the sense I have. So you can correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but I get the sense that there was this, this guy who just really wanted to do it right. And you wanted to be good and kind and understanding you were fighting a lot of uh, probably confusion around You've got the Orthodox guy on the one hand, like, okay, this is totally fine. As long as we end up back in the temple at some point, like I I am okay with this, with a lot of provisions. And there's another part of you that's like, but she's thriving over there. If I just left her alone, like she's, 
She's yeah. healing in ways that I've never seen before. And there's probably another part of you going, but that can't possibly be true. Because, those yeah. <laughs> right. And so you're, you're both managing massive amounts of chaos, Brian, with your chaos around what does this mean for me? And Jenny, of course, I have to believe that a woman who already has been grappling with her own ability to see her own infinite worth anyways, and recognize as well, if I don't necessarily know my worthiness, at least I can do the right things and get sort of a little bit of a, uh, a sense through some sort of outside validation. If I obey the right rules, wear the right underwear, do whatever, you know, if I do these things, then I'll be okay. So for you to already have that like baked in insecurity from your own life's experiences to then have the massive amount of courage to step out of that and make the decision that I am going to do what is right for me, not based on anybody else's approval, but because I'm finally honoring my own innate worthiness to choose what feels good and right for me. That to me feels really, really scary for anybody, but describing based on the story you've described, Jenny, it's incredibly honorable and extremely brave, courageous, noble, because you probably didn't want to see Brian not approving of you. You didn't want to see him suffering. You probably didn't have good answers for him as far as his kind of wanting you to sort of, on the one hand, sort of understanding, but on the other hand, sort of wanting you to sort of get back in line because he didn't know what to make of this new person. While at the same time, Brian, you probably were pretty proud of her too. <laughs> Yeah. And she was, and honestly, that was the girl I fell in love with. Right. Right. That was the, that was the Jenny I knew before she had tried to be so orthodox. Right. When I met her and knew her, she was anyway, that that's, yeah, there's some, that rings. Well, one thought I had, so we, through all this, my orthodoxy, I tried very hard and Jenny was awesome. Like right after she had said she was going to step back and heal conference was a week later. I just, conference and we, that's always been a family time we bring together get food i mean it was it was very enjoyable for us and um or at least it was it was family time and uh i said well i don't i don't want to watch conference then i don't want to i know i know how hard that is for you and how hard you've struggled to do that i don't want to do that she goes no i want to hear it and the first two talks well i i had taken off my garments and i had prayed um i always part of the temple experience had always scared me. Like the whole, like God shall not be mocked thing. And I was always like, I'm not trying to mock. Like I'm not trying to, you know, like it was always like a very fearful thing for me. Like, and so I, I can, when I took them off, I, I prayed, can you accept my heart as my garments right now? Can you accept that as like me remembering you? And like, can you accept that for now? So when we did listen to conversation, then you can pick yeah, up. Yeah, the very first talk was uh, Elder Uchtdorf, who Jenny's always loved, and we've all loved. But um, and he said, if the Savior came into your home, I'm paraphrasing, but if your Savior came into the home right now, into your home right now, outward expressions would be meaningless. He would wow. look at your heart. And and we both started. We both sobbing. started. Sobbing. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, and then that was. And, and that same within, I can't remember if it was right before, right after President Nelson spoke about the seismic upgrade of the Temple Foundation mm. and how, and we were married in the Salt Lake Temple and 
that the temple was going to be closed down or, you know, it was closed down, but he was, he was talking about how he had been looking out and he saw the fountain where the tree roots had grown into the, the fountain and that was causing it to leak and the foundation, like that seismic upgrade just rang true to us. We're like, well, maybe our temple's out of order right now. Maybe our temple's closed down. Maybe, maybe we can't do it the exact way that we always thought, but let's get a seismic upgrade. And we started, there was a, there was a gentleman in our ward. I had shared my testimony about seismic upgrade. I did not share a lot of what was going on, but I had shared that. And he came up to me and it was so sweet. I, this is like a cherished thing. He brought me two pieces of rock and I was looking at them and they were carved. And he said, I grew up near the quarries the, where they had that. And this is what the original sandstone was the first time that they had buried when the temp and the temple when they found out that that wouldn't work. And then this is the other one. This is what the foundation is made of now. So we have those sitting as rocks right by our, by our rainbow Jesus picture. Um, I love it. In our house. But, but that was just so neat. So now I felt like I had a, something I could rally behind. This is a foundational upgrade. And if this is, we're, you know, we're going to reestablish our foundation on based on something that doesn't have cracks in it, based on, on something that, you know, and, and my brain started to morph from, we have to have a perfect family to hell. If we don't make it to the celestial kingdom, whatever that means, at least we're going to have a great family. Now. Mm. We're going to really have a great family. I'm going to let Jenny know. And one kind of following that president Nelson had talked about um, having faith to move mountains. And he gave the steps, you know, do this, this, and this, and then you'll have faith to move mountains. And I, I did them. I did those steps. I was going to outrighteous this. I was going to make it happen. And I fasted and I prayed for fasted and prayed for faith to move this mountain. And I remember sitting, it's actually in this room, right, right here and, and praying and just saying, father, help me to move this mountain. And the voice that came back was don't pray to know, don't pray for faith to move the mountain, pray to know what the mountain is. Wow. And the reality of that was that Jenny needs to know that you love her, you accept her, you are with her, and that is not dependent on her relationship to the church. And that was the changing point for me. That was where the heart attacks stopped. That was where the needing to know what the end was stopped that was where I could start. And it doesn't mean I was perfect at it. I wasn't, but that was where I started having something I could fall back on and say, um, you know, this is, this is, this is okay. You just need to know that I love you. And it's not dependent on where you were. And fat, uh, and similarly, she, so about that time, she'd actually asked for a blessing and, um, and again, I'm praying, fasting, getting ready. You know, what, what is it that I'm going to be able to bless her with to, to fix this, to heal this, right? And, and I remember just as clear as day again, there's nothing you're going to bless her with that I don't already have in store. More of one of those, I started to realize I needed to not fix anything. I needed to not do anything. I needed to sit down, shut up, <laughs> listen, see, observe, learn. Because the Lord was here, God was here, God has his daughter, he knows her, 
He is, you know, it's not, I'm, I'm not the spiritual strength in the family. And we had that discussion with the children. It was, we sat down and I said, guys, yeah, this is different than what you've seen, but your mother is a spiritual leader in our home and pay attention because she is teaching you things that she's teaching me things. She's teaching us things that we absolutely need to know that we absolutely need to hear. And so that was where, that was where, where things changed for me. And that was when the drives got way better because we were really good at going <laughs> on drives. And it was um, one of those, one of those moments. It was neat because I came to a point, you know, Jenny talks about, I couldn't, I hated to see Brian hurting, but I knew how she was resolute in what she needed to do to heal. And similarly, as I'm bawling, I'm like, no, no, but keep going. You need to, you know, you need to, you need to clarify this because it did, it couldn't, could it not go on. Yeah, it was not sustainable the way that it was. Mm-hmm. And so this needed to happen. And so um, we were uh, sitting and, well, I, I came to a moment where I was absolutely okay with Jenny, without her garments not going to church, I was okay with that. Mm. And I loved, I loved that. And I wasn't, I didn't have a depending on, I didn't have an asterisk. There was no longer that. I was good with the wife I love. And I could fast forward and say, if she never had anything to do with the church again, could I stand with that? Yes, she's a phenomenal mother a phenomenal wife, a phenomenal friend, a phenomenal human. And if she can't walk in that church building, I get it. It's okay. That was when I started to heal. I'm very nearly speechless, Brian. I I thank you so much for, well, just who you are and also what you're teaching me and hopefully others of us that are listening here. I think if I were to just say the couple of things that evoke the most emotion in me as I listen is that that moment of surrender is when you stopped and you didn't say this, but what I kind of heard this moving the mountain thing, it was, and you can kind of correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like in those moments, it was, please, please fix Jenny, Mm -hmm. please change Jenny and get her, um, help her feel better, but also help her feel better the way I need her to feel. And then the the big seismic shift was with your revelation that you received was I'm looking at you. I'm yep. wanting to change your heart. And I'm wanting to help you see that the problem isn't what you think it is. Right. And then the thing that I can kind of tag onto that is that it seems like in that moment, you truly were introduced to your own ability to unconditionally love this woman. And I think that's an important component of this whole entire story and the development of your relationship, both with God and each other, which is Jenny had always struggled with this idea that am I truly lovable just as I am? And it took this wrestle and it took, it took Jenny sort of rising up and owning her own self that made her uh, more, able to sort of hold whatever it was that was going on elsewhere and do the thing that she needed to do. And then you came along and offered her because of your own growth, the ability to unconditionally love her, which hopefully is um, 
creating more of a bedrock of your unconditional lovability. Yeah. I can remember, um, like, you know, eventually I did come back. We like to joke because my son, he was going to give a talk in um, sacrament or no, and in primary. And I thought, I'll just sneak in. Like, I just want to hear him, you know, give his talk. And so I didn't tell anybody I was coming or anything, any of the kids or anything. So I walk in late and Hudson, you know, real loud says, what are you doing here? I didn't think you were coming back. Yeah, I thought you said you weren't coming back to church. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But awesome. as I came back and I would test the waters and what do I feel comfortable with? And, and kind of as, as I really was guided to see things differently and be okay that I didn't agree with everything or, you know, as I like slowly added in, like I had to unlearn everything and then relearn the gospel to me, you know, mm-hmm. or, or even not even the gospel, just my relationship with my heavenly parents, my savior, like that was what my new foundation was. Anyway, as time went on, you know, I feel like I'm like constantly, like I'm like a, a river that like hits into rocks all the time where some minutes I'm like, I can do this. I can, I can be here. And some minutes I'm like, holy crap, I cannot stay you know, and, and I've gotten to the point with my spirituality where I'm okay to be a river at this point. I am okay with the unknown, but there was, there was one point just this last year that we were driving in the car and we had all the kids and I, I quietly whispered to Brian, something had happened that just, I thought this does not align with me, you know, some, a way the church had handled a situation with the LGBTQ David. David Archuleta. David yeah. Archuleta. Oh, and yeah. I just thought this is like, it just hit me so yeah. hard. And I thought, man, they don't get it. <laughs> and so we're driving and I, I lean over quietly and I go, Oh, by the way, the church does not align with my values anymore. <laughs> and, and I just left it. And I thought, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> and, and we, you know, keep the drive going. And we finally got to our vacation and he and I ran into the grocery store and I could just, I was like, okay, can we now talk about like what I just dropped in your lap? And he said, I think I just need to know that we still choose each other. Like you choose me regardless if the church aligns with you or not. Like, do you choose me? And he's like, cause I choose you. And I think for our relationship, it almost was like, I was explaining to Brian, it was like my wings just like spread out. Like it was like true, like Jenny could be who Jenny was and Brian still loved her and she still loved Brian, you know? And it was, um, I just never felt closer. He, he, I could just show every part of me and he still loved me and chose me. And I could see him and see every part of him and I still choose him. And I feel like that vulnerability with each other was powerful because there still are days where I'm like, no, this does not fit. This is painful. And then a few minutes later, I'm like, oh, I'm really grateful that I can go take the sacrament or, you know, like, so it's just, it's very fluid. And, but I feel like we both realize that regardless of what our future looks like, as far as like the church goes, we already know what our future looks like as far as us as a couple yeah. um, that we have recommitted, chosen each other. And yes, the, our relationship with our 
Heavenly Parents is a huge part of that. And it is a foundation for our marriage, but it is not what's going to separate us if we don't have the same exact same beliefs. Yeah. Well, um, so this kind of fasts forwards, right? Now we've got, we've got a daughter on a mission. And I think this is a neat point right before we were having her go through the temple. We were both still like, how's this going to work? And Jenny went and did a session on her own. And, and I, I knew she was going, I knew she was, she's like, how, how do I let my daughter go through this? She doesn't know what it's going to be like. It was before the recent changes where there's a little more consent ahead of time. But like, she's like, holy cow, how am I, how do I have my daughter go through that? And so we work really hard with her to try and prepare her as much as we could and for it to be a good experience with her and talk to her about, Hey, sometimes people have gone through and they feel scared. They feel nervous, you know, like just try to talk it through her as much as we could. But anyway, Jenny in preparation for that went and did a session and I was at work and I called or she called me afterwards and I could hear in her voice that she was sad. And I said, how'd it go? And she goes, it was awful. It was awful. And I said, it's okay. But we knew we were going to be going through with our daughter soon. And so then I thought, we'll all go. And I went and I was so grateful because I really felt her pain. Honestly, I went through the session and I, my watch was on and I could see my heart rate was like way up and it was, it was uncomfortable. I felt like I got to catch a glimpse of how it felt to see that through Jenny's eyes. And then as the session progressed, um, right towards the end, there was a moment where everything became very peaceful for me. And, and I don't really know how that was, but then it became very peaceful. I felt like I was able to have complete, like have empathy for how that had felt to Jenny. I was able to feel what peace it could bring to me. And then we went through with our daughter and it was a really good experience for all of us. And I don't know how that can happen, honestly. Well, and I think what has happened, the miracle of like this whole experience, like, yes, it's been great for me to be able to like realize that I do not need to outsource my relationship with my heavenly parents. Like having so many, we have four girls and, and a boy and, but having so many girls really made me as they were like, why did the, you know, that they could see the patriarchy um, and, and I could feel it. And not that Brian has ever, he's always been so equal, like quite forward thinking as like a feminist and, you know, things like that. Like he really has always been a cheerleader and always treated me as equal. But, but of course, what, what I was taught was you look to the priesthood holder. You look to an outside source. You go to the bishop. You go to the, don't rely on yourself. You rely out, right? And when I finally learned what I had been guided and taught was don't outsource that. Like we can be individually guided. And I saw the miracles happen, miracle after miracle with my family through what originally I thought I was going to ruin my family. I thought I was leading them to hell, you know, with my choices. And And to see, like, as I followed that guidance, the miracles with each of our kids, you know, the, the closeness we have with each other, the openness, the ability to like, let them be who they are as they are and trust that they are guided, you know, they are divine beings as well. And it has just brought our family so much closer. And so as we would struggle with like sending our daughter on this mission she would come to us and say, 
well, I've thought about this and, you know, I want to have a healthy relationship with my garments. So, and so she had already thought that out and, and I wanted to have a really neat experience in the temple. So this is what I prayed for. You know, I prayed that I could only absorb the things that I needed and we were just like blown away. But I think because we had already that openness that your experience can be whatever it is and that's okay. Um, has really, really blessed our family. And I feel like we have become much more celestial. We are a safe space for each other to learn and grow and go through life experiences. So I feel like it made it, it's made it much more comfortable for us to allow a daughter to go on a mission, another daughter to say, oh, this, these things don't make sense to me. And uh, us allow her to explore what that means to her. You know, each of our kids and in their experiences, really allowing not a prescribed a path anymore. You know, we threw the, the for strength of youth out years ago because yeah. we saw the damage. And so things like that, that I've just seen such beautiful changes in our family. And I can't deny like the guidance I've been given and, and knowing that as a woman, even though I do not have the priesthood, I have power. I have, I am equal. I don't need to, I, I always look to Brian as the spiritual leader. And now I look at both of us as the spiritual leaders of our home. Awesome. And it's become a really beautiful, like um, awakening, you know, for both of us, I feel like, and for our kids, we, we were able to have these complex discussions and, and it's really neat to see them advocate and hand out their pins at church <laughs> and, you know, that, and then people can come up to them later and be like, look, I'm wearing the yeah. pin you gave me and like seeing the safe space that they are they're becoming for others and so really like as scary as this journey has been and yes my my journey right now has landed with me in the church but knowing that wherever that like, like we feel guided and led and the church is helpful in some aspects but we've learned to let go of a lot of the things that aren't helpful i can remember somebody said well, a common saying, and I'm sure you've heard this is, how does it go? Be where, be where you're, you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Yes. And we, one of the things that we have undone is be guided to be where we're supposed to be, when we're supposed to be there. And so some things have looked different for each kid or, or us individually. If, if we know that there's a lesson coming that we don't feel comfortable with, we just don't send our kids or maybe we'll attend with them or something that became important to me was not having our kids go to meet with uh, Bishop Rick anymore alone if they did not want to. And so many of the kids I've gone in with them and I did that starting a couple of years ago and it always got like weird looks and things and, and, now, and they just know. <laughs> now they know. Um, but really like advocating for our kids, like you do not need to, say everything you can say, you can be your own advocate, you know? And, and that's just been some really neat, powerful shifts that we've made that have really blessed our family, I think. So I'm thinking about a couple of things that I love. I love everything that you're saying, but one of the big overarching themes that you two are describing in terms of this last sort of chapter that kind of takes us up to present right now is that 
the idea of this, you don't, nor do any of us need to outsource our spiritual experience, our relationship with our divine parents and our savior, Jesus Christ. And so because you shifted that relationship and you completely changed your own paradigm around who the church got to be in your life, it seems to me like maybe that was perhaps when you were able to reintroduce any kind of a healthy relationship between yourself and the church, because you took what felt like it was assisting you in your own relationship with your heavenly parents. And if it didn't assist you, you put your hands up and said no. And so maybe that is perhaps a part, I mean, or a big part, at least is what I'm kind of picking up as far as how you were able to sort of reintegrate because you were choosing it on your own terms on your own behalf and advocating for your family. And also it gets, I get the feeling too, that it, it's been so healing and helpful for you to know that Brian over here is on your team, regardless of what you choose. And that quite frankly, wherever you go moving forward, it may shift and change. And that two growing individuating human beings whose deep commitment to grow their own souls support that same kind of growth in the other. Okay. Yes. Now, um, one other thought I have, and then I have a closing question for each of you. The other part I'm going to, I, I just feel to say, Jenny, is I completely disagree. I think you do hold priesthood. I'm listening to this power of God coursing through you. Amen. Directing, guiding, blessing, mentoring, teaching. I quite frankly, don't care what the church says, Jenny. (laughs) You have the power of God. And that's second. Brian seconds it. I think I talked over him, but no, I will okay. second. 100%. <laughs> All right. So let's close with this question. The question I have that I want each of you to t- kind of weigh in on is this in, in so many of these marriages in our faith tradition, it's an, it's a lopsided kind of growth process. Very seldom does, does a partnership grow equally We just don't, it doesn't work that way because that's not how the soul, each soul is made. We just grow at different paces. And so sometimes the person who is in this uh, growth spurt kind of experience is the female. Sometimes it's the male. I don't know that I could even say who generally goes first. I see a lot of both, but I want to have, I want to have Brian talk to just for a moment and offer some words of, uh, words of, I don't know, wisdom, thoughts, feelings about if someone who is in that terror phase, some orthodox man or woman is just terrified by their partner over there going rogue, doing different things, feeling different things, believing different things. Can you speak to that person for a minute? And then I'm going to turn the time over to Jenny to close this up and have her speak to the, the uh, evolving, expanding person and kind of talk to them about what your experience, like how can you offer them hope and some encouragement, but also Jenny, I want you to also help, help them recognize what the Orthodox partner might be going through too, because you have that perspective as well. I hope those, I know that's kind of a lot of questions in a row. So hopefully you can remember everything I just asked. So go ahead and hit it, Brian. Right. Um, I would say first off, I would not, I would not want to rewind and go back to how it was before. I, I, I don't want Jenny to feel the way she felt. I don't want to feel the way I, I, I don't, I wasn't in a healthy spot. I didn't have a healthy relationship with these things either. And it, I think I, 
I quickly learned, thankfully, I quickly could see that this wasn't, I'm in a strong place, I'm in a good place, and Jenny's struggling. As soon as I could look at it not that way and see that actually I, I think I had more change to go through than Jenny did. Jenny just had to see herself the way she always was and God always saw her. I had to make changes. I had to make adjustments and be willing to be willing to let that be. I think the, the things that we have, if I am orthodox and I'm thinking, I want to, I married this person. I want to be with them in the highest degree of the celestial kingdom, whatever that means. Right. I think that can be actually some very damaging thought process. Um, and especially in this scenario. So I've, I've chosen to look at it differently. I love this person and I'm going to create heaven on earth here with them. And whatever happens after that, I don't know. I don't, I don't frankly care because we're going to have a good time. I mean, we're going to, we're going to, and I don't mean a good time like party. I mean, we are going to make this a good thing for us. And I feel like, you know, that's, that's the way that the Lord can work through us. And so, so I guess advice to give is, it's, it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to fear. It's okay to hurt your heart attack. It probably isn't really a heart attack. <laughs> Maybe it is. I don't know. But, um, but let, you know, let it happen and see the new beauty. Find the new great. Our son one day was, uh, this is beautiful. He was getting ready for church and I hadn't seen him for a while. I'm like, Hudson, where are you? And I walk in there into his room and he stands up and you can see he'd been sweating. Like he was like, had worked so hard and he had the tightest pair of pants on that did not fit him. They may have fit him a few weeks ago because he's growing fast, but they did not fit him. And I said, oh, you can't wear those today. And he said, oh, dad, I don't want to take them off. I worked so hard to get them on. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you did. You need to take those pants off and don't wear them again. I said, but you do need pants. So let's get you the pair that fits and put them on. And it was, it was almost like, you know, another one of those teaching moments for me. We had to take off what was there. It was not fitting. It was not sustainable. It was not going to get our kids into any good scenario. It was not, it was not what we needed. And we, but we felt like we needed pants. Like, you know, we feel like there's some real benefit in the church. So we had to take off how it was and put on a pair that fits. And it's great. You know, Jenny, one time she said, you know, I wonder if I've kind of already left the church parts of it. And we've, I've looked through and I've looked at, okay, what, what parts of this do I not need to hold up as gospel? Because what is the gospel? Faith, repentance, you know, that like, if I'm just stuck in faith and repentance over and over, that's great. Like there's some beautiful things, right? I don't need to get caught up in a lot of the extra pieces. What pieces can I let go of and just hold on to that, that is common for us and, and good for us. And our children are in a way better place than they ever would have been. Uh, so it's a, it's a better place. Yeah. So be, be hopeful of what it can be. Don't, don't live in the despair, Thank find you. ways to, to create amazingness. All right. All right, Jenny, close us up today. It's been it's been an interesting journey as I've wanted to be understood and loved and accepted for where I'm at. I early on had had an experience, like I could see like now looking back moments of my heart changing and it was interesting to see how it was, um, I was being prompted early on that had nothing necessarily to do with church, but really loving others 
that I saw different from me. And I can remember I was, I was, we have a lot of homeless population around and, and I'd drive to the corner and Hudson would roll down the window and hand out his crackers or whatever, you know, or we'd give some money and, and I, but in my mind, I noticed that I'd go to these snap judgments of like, Oh, probably drugs or, Oh, you know, like, and I, and I put this judgment on these beautiful souls, you know? And then I was almost like rebuked, like, well, I love them just as much as I love you. Like, you know, and, and it was this shift in my heart that then I think because I have a partner who, even though in his orthodoxy, he did have these struggles, he did come around, but I recognize that that's not typical for every family, um, for every relationship. It can be super scary. There are so many, you know, you hear over and over like couples that uh, the spouse steps away and they say, well, then we're done, you know, and that was a scary possibility with Brian. Like I just didn't know, like, obviously I had some hope that we'd be fine, but you just, it's a really scary step to take. But as I've expanded this, even though I have a husband that has kind of come along this journey with me still in his own beliefs. The orthodox part, as I've watched people at church that I just would struggle with, my heart was then almost softened again, like, Jenny, A, you were there, you sat in those beliefs, B, everybody's faith journey is different, the body of Christ is, is so expansive, and so there is room for orthodoxy, and there is room, this tent is expanding, you know? And there is room for, for nuance like I have, and there just is room. And so before maybe there was frustration, anger, judgment against those who I saw in their very orthodox stage where I thought you are hurting people and you are, you know, and, and I really, really worked hard to love and to have compassion and to see the strengths that these people have where I don't necessarily agree with their stance on things. And, and I think, so with an Orthodox partner, I think finding the commonalities and even I was talking to Brian about this, like, had you been super Orthodox and non-budging, I think I would have been like, we need to get to therapy and find what we have in common, what we do love together and then go from there instead of we are, we are all, you know, it's a very common thing to say, well, we have the church in common, right? That is our foundation. And if we don't have that in common, then do we have a foundation? Right. But so even with maybe people in my ward or family members or things that I might disagree with, I, I have worked really hard to find, look for their beautiful Christ-like qualities and go from there and really try and love without judgment just as I want to be loved without judgment and I feel like that's like what the savior is asking us to do you know he he did not create any of us the same for a purpose so to think that I don't think all these orthodoxy people need to change necessarily like yes I hope there's some softening in areas and I'm sure they hope that there's change in me but um really just to love as like a human family has been expansive and much more peaceful to my heart, much more Christ-like loving. That's beautiful. Beautiful way to close us up, Jenny and Brian. I 
cannot thank you enough. And I feel that I'm safe in saying I'm going to be thanking you on behalf of a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are not as far along on this path and are, are suffering a lot in their marriages. And it's very destabilizing as you have been so willing to talk about your own really real, authentic, tenuous moments together uh, in the marriage as individuals trying to navigate something that is authentic to each of you while also holding the profound love that you each have for each other. And so thank you both for your willingness to kind of really unpack all of the all of the, the details of your journey. And I'm really grateful for all of you who have been willing to listen to this podcast, those of you who, who share it with family and friends. It is um, a wish of my heart that people will feel that they are seen and that wherever they are on their faith journey, that this is a safe place to be. One of the highest compliments I get from those of you who reach out to me is this is a podcast that feels safe to send my Orthodox family. And that does mean a lot to me because I, I don't feel like I hold back on the ways I talk about what needs to be talked about, but it is my hope that everyone feels that what they're going through is valid and that yeah. where they are is where they are for a good reason based on their own story. And so we do need to make space for each other to be where we are. And of course, always ground everything that we're trying to do in our own development, like Jenny mentioned, in this concept of love. And I think that is ultimately what will heal and grow all of us as children of God and with the Savior Jesus Christ, whose entire foundation is built on love. And if we can do that, I think we're going to be okay in our marriages, in our churches, wherever we are. So if this is something that resonates with you, please uh, subscribe to this podcast. Please share it. If you're wanting to be part of a group, uh, one of which Jenny and Brian are a part of and an integral part of, and that I love to see every week, please reach out to me to get on a wait list. I can be reached at info at ValerieHammaker.com or on Instagram at Latter Day Struggles Podcast. And coming soon, maybe by the time this is here, it'll be live. You can check it out. A uh, website is being prepared right now and it's going to be called LatterDayStruggles.com. So thank you all for being here and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Dialogue Podcast Network.